All right, everybody, welcome to the digital marketing panel discussion. My name is Brian Calhoun. I'll be your friendly moderator today. I'll let all the panelists introduce themselves. I work for an artist management company called Blueprint Group. I do digital strategy. We represent artists like Lil Wayne, Nicki Minaj, T.I. Hit Boy, who just won his first Grammy the other day, Yay. and really Twist and Jake Trough. That's right. Now he really is a hit boy. Absolutely, absolutely. So I will let each of my distinguished panelists introduce themselves, and we'll jump right into it. All right. Good afternoon. My name is Azia Shine. I run Fuse Ecology. We are a lifestyle marketing company, the hub for progressive music and culture. We've been around for almost 10 years. Essentially, we list events across North America tailored to soul, funk, jazz, hip-hop, and house. And we also market a lot of records, work with artists. I've done a lot of artist management. And yeah, that's basically what I am. And I'm based out of Los Angeles. That's good. Hi, my name is Jeff Rabhan. Uh, I'm a Taurus. Let's see, uh, I was an artist manager for a very long time in Los Angeles, a partner of a company called The Firm, which at the time was the largest artist management company in the world. I currently am the chair of the Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music, which is the music business program at New York University. And I do a little bit of management on the side and a little bit of consulting as well, and am available for any jobs you may have. We'll work for food, money, you, you name it. And uh, my name is Jeff Watson. I am the vice president of interactive marketing at Warner Brothers Records. I was formerly an artist on Warner Brothers Records in a band that you've never heard of that sold no records at all. So if you want to <coughs> hit me up about how to not sell albums afterwards, you can see me as well. I have done uh, interactive marketing campaigns for Green Day and My Chemical Romance and Muse and um, a lot of the rock acts uh, that we do, some pop acts, but um, that's what I do. Very cool. All right, so we had a, a lively debate in the green room. On, I want to get it started now. So is digital marketing just marketing? Yes. 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 <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a qualifier. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Here comes a debate. Here, here's the ring. It's, it's the reason I, I actually kind of asked this question because we were, it was, we were kind of riffing on the idea of like new media, right? Like I've been at Warner Brothers since 2002. And when I got there, we were kind of called like the internet department or you know, like the computer guys. New media. And, and then new media came into play, right. So new media as a term was kind of relevant at the time because it was sort of new. And it's always kind of a running joke to me that it's, it's, it's like calling the Beach Boys the Beach Boys at this point because they're not really boys anymore. You know, they're kind of a little bit older at this point. Same concept for the term new media, right? So I think that what's ended up happening is that Internet marketing, digital marketing, however you want to call it, is up for debate, but I really do believe that it is, it is obviously a crux of what's going on in terms of marketing, right? I mean, from even when I started over at Warner in 2002, we didn't have iTunes, we didn't have Spotify, you know, there, were, there was no streaming services, there was really nothing necessarily except, hey, we got a website and you're done, and we got a post up and everything's cool. Clearly now, there are so many different touch points that come into the digital marketing world. Now, a lot of other people, there's obviously still room for traditional marketing, right? There's obviously still room for TV advertising and radio advertising or however that looks. But I think that the effective way to really pull those in, obviously, is also through digital aspects to them too as well. So I am talking a lot, the end. If I may add to that, the, the other thing which I think is very interesting is that if you think about the traditional marketing model over the years, it's sort of done for you or done for artists, whereas digital marketing is really more about an artist establishing their personal brand in a lot of ways and speaking for themselves and speaking to their fans directly. So if you look at how marketing has actually changed, I think it, you, you've taken a lot of, a lot of 
a lot out of the hands of people doing for you and you really must rely upon yourself in order to establish your personal brand because obviously fans want to have that experience with the artist and want to know what that artist's voice is and that's become part of you know sort of establishing who you are and that's marketing you yeah, know, that's, I, I don't really think people is. listen to marketers and, and we listen to the artists so if it's not organic and it doesn't have that sort of touch feel I don't think people will pay attention they'll just think it's like an advertorial instead of something that is going directly from the artist to the consumer so, so actually let me do this I forgot to do this in the very beginning but this is actually appropriate what what is the makeup of the audience who here are artists if you're an artist raise your hand okay if you are an artist manager artist representative raise your hand record label person publisher technology provider wow, a lot of wow. Time, yeah all okay right. all right cool so to follow up on that point how much of the marketing should be done by the artists themselves, you know? So buy this, you know, here's a link to, you know, buy tickets or music. As much, much as possible. Can I give you guys a quick example? I'm the marketing director, Fela on Broadway. Fela Kuti is an African artist, very famous. And basically, Michelle Williams is a new cast member. When she tweets and she posts on Facebook, we get tons of responses. When I go in and I do my little thing, you know, a couple of retweets. So I absolutely think the more the artists can do themselves, the better, and it just seems authentic. I also think that culturally, you know, we're sort of past the point where people want to put artists on a pedestal. I mean, if you think about the sort of era of the divas, the Mariah Carey's and the Janet Jackson's and, you know, the sort of untouchable, you know, this artist lives in this, you know, in this cloud or in this castle that I can never attain to, I can never reach, I can never understand that world. I think those days are long gone. I think if, if fans can't reach out and touch you and you don't have a sort of you know, meaningful relationship with them, I think that people don't believe in you anymore. And I think that, that that's something that the culture has adopted. And a lot of it, you know, shockingly, I think lends itself to the whole American Idol model, which is, you know, that sense of I made you or, or I contributed to you or I'm responsible for your success. And I think a lot of fans really want to feel like they're a contributor to that to that world. I, you're not going to hear me say a lot of great things about American Idol, but that's one of them. <laughs> Except that Nicki Minaj is on there. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. We, we love that. Right. <laughs> I think also, too, you know, I I have a lot of artists sometimes um, that it's 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 actually been interesting to see the shift. I have a lot of artists come to me and they'll say, how do I tweet? How do I Facebook? How do I, how do I do whatever? So, but a lot of artists that are actually coming to me now are very salient with these. They're, they're very aware of how to use these things because sometimes they're the younger generation and whatever it looks like. But my, what, what, I, what I really try and encourage a lot of my artists to do is what we're talking about here is to, to really use those platforms, whatever they may be, right, as a way of ex truly expressing themselves because again, once that authentic voice comes through, that's, that's the best connection you can possibly have to an artist in my opinion. Well, do you get pushback from the artist? Because um, I know there can be, sometimes it can be uh, received negatively by the fans when the artist pushes them to buy something. Well, well the one thing I would say about that is, and it doesn't really answer your question at all, um, <laughs> is, that, is that, you know, if you really think about it now, it really feels like, and don't throw you know rocks at me if you're saying this, but like the music for an artist, like that's your business card. Like that's mm -hmm. okay. That's who I am. That's just gets the door open. That is not. That's one tiny facet of everything that you are. What you have to say. What your interests are. What you do on your free time. Like it's a whole experience. So I do think that 
I'm just trying to answer this in some fashion at, at all. I do think that people don't want to be sold. It's got to feel real. I think consumers are super, super smart because they've been screwed with for so long and things have been jammed down their throat for so long that people are very, very smart. But they also have to be a little tame. There's a hip-hop artist that will go unnamed that is a little too on Twitter and answers like somebody said he was wacko, some track he put out, and he like responds and at and dude, don't you have anything better to do than to respond to everybody's tweets? So there's a level of, I think, you know, personalization that you, you can take with you, but you don't have to be involved in every single conversation on Twitter and Facebook and other social mediums. Right. So what are some of the uh, strategies that you've employed for marketing various things around the, the, the artists or clients that you work with? So, you know, does it look different when you're marketing merchandise versus touring versus music sales what are some of the strategies and how do they differentiate between uh, uh by the thing that you're promoting well i think uh for starters just in terms of like tour marketing tour marketing is a really big thing for us at at, at, at warner brothers records and <clears throat> excuse me and i and we're always challenged to uh actually do a couple of things with touring specifically right one is to try and expose the artist in the particular market. Hey, Band X is playing in your favorite city here. But also, too, to really give an experience within the venue itself, right? So there's, there's all kinds of ways that you can do that, obviously. There's, um, you know, uh, unlock a or tweet for a, a seat upgrade, however that looks. Um, and then, we'll obviously, really hone in, do geo-targeting in these specific markets. And that's been, that's been really effective for us. Um, but obviously, too, when you're doing music promotions whenever you're actually you know pushing the music ultimately it's kind of the same um marketing to a certain degree but i think that there's there there's a whole bunch of different variants that you can do we also do a lot of merchandise too as well and we use you know you can use pinterest you can use these different kinds of sites that really kind of focus specifically on those 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 types of materials yeah, I think going back to the Fela brand, I think you have to be careful because there's the theater and the, and the Broadway production, which is a whole other side of things. And you have the merchandise of a legendary artist, you know, a revolutionary. And there's a lot of people that are sensitive to that because of who he is. And so, and then, but and then you have like people remixing his stuff. So you cater the DJ market. So it's different, but it essentially you use the same tools, I think, but you just do it in a different fashion. Okay, so let's talk about what are some of those tools. What are some of the tools that you guys like and find to be really effective for you? Um, I'm, I'm going to state, unfortunately or fortunately, the obvious. I mean, I've tried a lot of things, but Twitter and Facebook, sometimes Pinterest, depending on what it is, and um, those are those are just so powerful because everyone's on it. But then we use a lot of other sort of things that are like SoundCloud and MixCloud for music and sharing things like uh, of that nature. But for the most part, Twitter and Facebook, do you guys find anything that's a little less obvious? I mean, I think those are... Those clearly work and those are obvious. What I found to be successful is when artists use those platforms to talk about things other than the obvious, like hey, in the studio. I mean, who cares? You're in the studio. Okay, you're great. Or, hey, my new song. Or, hey, I'm here I'm hanging out with this person. A good example is Michelle Branch, who really has a, a huge interest in cooking. Um, you know, and is involved in a cooking show and, you know, knows a lot of chefs. So she spends a lot of time on Instagram talking about, you know, a meal that she cooked or a restaurant she went to or when, you know, when she's out on the road, a chef she met in a certain city. So tying in other interests into the traditional models seem to be successful for her and for a lot of other artists who like to share other parts of their life, whether they're sharing their family, you know, ties into, you know, to, to childhood and other mothers and things of that nature, I think, have always been very successful when artists show that they're, they use their traditional methods to show they're multidimensional. Yeah. 
I think also too that what I like to use a lot, and this may seem kind of obvious, but YouTube. When whenever we do a lot of tour marketing or whenever we do merchandise marketing or what have you, it's kind of actually really effective to just do kind of the basic things. Let's have a tour trailer for it. Let's go and let, let's advertise that, that particular tour trailer in these certain geo-targeted markets. Let's do merch trailers. We do merch trailers a lot these days. And those, those types of things, I mean, YouTube is such a massive, massive search engine essentially at that point that for us to be able to kind of grab somebody, not just in necessarily music content or behind the scenes content or I'm cooking something kind of content to actually drive people towards merchandise towards ticket sales towards whatever we, we want to use it for and, and so when you do create that uh, tour trailer how do you distribute it and make sure that it gets seen well we're gonna I mean well first of all obviously kind of just get it out to the, the mass audience with the fans themselves but then also I'll buy ads against it in th through YouTube right so like pre-roll ads essentially that we'll be able to target through the particular cities that we're trying to market to and and against like-minded bands and and kind of go and through there. to me, email marketing still works. It's just, it can't be annoying. It has to be only once or twice a week. Um, I think there's fun stuff like Music Monday and, you know, fun things that have been developed over the past few years through social media. But we get really high open rates, but we're very targeted, we're very specific, and we keep it simple. And no one reads. So, you know, it's just image info link more. You know what I'm saying? The minute you have a paragraph, I'm telling you, your open rate will be cut in half. No one reads. No one reads. <laughs> That's the takeaway. <laughs> That's the takeaway. That's Real the talk. Takeaway. Um, and, and so, what kind of money do you need? Do you think you need to allocate to that kind of thing? I guess it's going to depend on the type of you know how big the act is or how big the thing is that you're promoting. But what what do those spends look like that you're that you're working on? What do those campaigns look like? A lot like? less than before, right? Than traditional <laughs> marketing and media buys. Um, one million dollars. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, look, it, it obviously depends on uh, on the reach. I mean, I can tell you this, that in the in the days, I mean, again, not to sound like I'm too long on the tooth here, but um, back in the old days. Seriously, this is going to be amazing. Sunny. I used my 78 radar. <laughs> it was incredible. Um, it is interesting to see where the allocations of the spends are going. And, and you know, I mean, like I was saying earlier with the whole digital marketing is is marketing concept. Um, there's a lot of of of, uh, of of real faith that's that's kind of put into into our world, and a lot of it actually is in our advertising spends now, um, because that's that's a really solid way for us to actually get the word out, kind of a, you know above and beyond the core, right? And we always have these conversations with people. They're like, well, what's the core of the band? Well. You know, you can kind of do some math. You sort of look at the YouTube numbers or the Facebook engagement rates and all that, but clearly you want to get beyond that, and that's going to take some. That's going to take some throwdown. Um, some throwdown. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> um, it's going to take some cash money. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and I'm done. Next. Okay. <laughs> no comment. So. <laughs> For once, no comment. It doesn't take as much money as it used to. I'll, I'll say that. I mean, I think it's it's more time. It's more hiring someone to actually do the job and then follow up and make sure that they're doing it that I find a little bit of an issue with as opposed to an actual spend. I think some of the best spends are just direct Facebook spends. You know, like I want to spend $50 on this ad. I want to target these, you know, geo-targeted audiences and, and this kind of spend. And I think it works really, really well. It works for us. Very effective. Yeah, actually. very effective. Okay. Strangely effective. I'm, I, I don't think anybody knows why, but they really work. Yeah, because they're targeted. And, and if, you, if you like 
you know, a certain artist or a certain brand and it, Facebook picks up on it because it's Big Brother and they see it and then they put it up on top and then it says, you know what I mean? If you like this person, you'll probably like this person. So it actually works. Scary, but it works. What about streaming services? Do streaming services like like Spotify and RDO and uh, non-interactive services like Pandora, do those services, do you think those services are helping to sell music? No. Yes. That's why I asked that question. A qualified yes. <laughs> How's that for? That's sort of like a little bit of a maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess we're, um, I, I mean, I, I, this is based on nothing other than my own personal opinion, so take it with a grain of salt. I just think that, that people, are, people who are streaming music are listening to music, getting what they want out of it, and moving on. It's not forcing them to go and buy it. You don't think it's if not they like let, it, though, they're not going to just nine, if they like it, they're gonna, nine it? Nope, they're going to say, I'm going to play it again. Especially if you're Spotify, you have it. And if you're That's using true. Spotify, you've got it. You know, you really do. And, and, and look, I mean, even for my own personal habits, I mean, uh, I can only speak from examples. I was buying music all the time on iTunes and since I joined Spotify I have not bought a song not one song and that's been six months I am premium yes in many ways <laughs> thank you thank you very much I also think it depends on the genre you know like I'm more in like urban and I think in urban music people I don't know in my world tend to we tend to sell some records still country um, too Country does a hell of a job selling music. Yeah, but maybe I don't know. EDM may not. I'm not sure. What what genre do you think that doesn't sell? That because of streaming, just in general. I think pop. Maybe you're right. Pop pop is not selling because of streaming. And I don't know anything about pop music, so that that's probably probably a good look. But maybe. But for for us, I don't see a lot of drop in sales when we put stuff up on SoundCloud or Spotify. So not personally. So. I'm gonna go to the old guy conversation again. The back in the day guy. Um, so when I was a kid, I, and this always amazes me, I remember carrying around this giant bag of tapes, right? Like I had this fucking giant bag wherever I went. I was like the, the, the tape kid. And it was like 60 A-track tapes. A-track or real the real? I'm or? not quite that old yet. All right. I'm 74. <laughs> and when I would carry this thing around, it's, you know, I'd, like I said, I had 60 tapes or whatever, right? So now, obviously, with my streaming service, I have every goddamn song I've ever wanted in this thing. And as a fan, it's incredible. Something pops in my head. Oh, I want to go hear the Queens of the Stone Age for his record. Done. Got it. Great. What I know is, and this is slightly anecdotal, but I think this is kind of largely true, is that streamers stream, buyers buy, and stealers fucking steal. Exactly. And I think, and you know, there's a little bit of the connection to the Venn diagram slightly in those things. Like occasionally I'll be like, oh, that Queens of the Stone Age record is really great. Well, there's a deluxe version of Rated R, so I'm going to go buy that because I feel like I have to, right? Like, I'm like, I'm a huge fan of the band. I'm invested in them. What I think, and this is the reason why I had the qualified yes about the streaming services, is that the streaming service, like, the idea is that we're all going to get some sort of mass audience, right? We're all, like, we're going to get the guy who doesn't necessarily really listen to a whole lot of music, but because it's available everywhere, he can go listen to it. In theory that's going to be a giant check for the entire world. What ends up happening, I found, though, to be honest with you, is that I also then become more invested in the band itself. So I'm more inclined, actually, to go, oh, Queens of the Stone Age are putting out a new record, or they're going to be touring, or whomever it may be. I'm kind of more inclined to become more of a music fan out of this experience. 
then I'm actually perhaps really going out to saying I'm going to go oh like song go buy or like song go buy song on iTunes and perhaps um, you know if a band's smart like Radiohead you know you just say hey give what you can and most people are like yeah I could do five bucks instead of stealing it so I think that there's ways around it but I, I mean and there's actually no way around um, you know this is the new world whether we like it or not there's going to be streaming forever and it's just going to continue to be more and more and it's just going to engulf the entire music industry here's my problem with both you people okay <laughs> the first is i don't think as far as jeff's concerned i don't believe that people equate streaming with not being invested in the band i think from an emotional standpoint people still feel like they're a fan of the band that's number one number two i you can't radiohead you just can't use them as the example for anything because they're radiohead you know so at radiohead people are going to be willing to pay but i think for most bands you know, people, you know, that $5, I think it's diminished, you know, by 85% for the majority of bands out there. Okay, so, well, actually, let's, let's do this. Let's do a quick audience poll. Maybe is not an option. Who thinks streaming services help artists sell more music? Raise your hand. Huh. Surprised. That's right. Who think not? That's my people. There's a, there's a lot of, yeah. <laughs> That's my people. There are some people abstaining. Purple team. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Okay, let me ask you guys this. Outside of, uh, you know, we talked about some of the usual suspects. We talked about Twitter a little bit. We talked about YouTube and Facebook. So outside of the kind of the uh, those usual suspects, the, the those social networks, what are some other tools that you found to be uh, to be helpful? I don't know, something like, I don't know, Tagged or Vine. I know, uh, Jeff, you mentioned Vine. What are some other things that you guys have used? Has anybody seen Stipple? They actually, they're set up downstairs. It's, pr it's pretty cool. What it does is it embeds into your into your Twitter. It embeds everything. You can like it. You can like uh, the Facebook page in the Twitter. You can see the clothes. You know, you can you scroll across the clothes. You can see the clothes the artist is uh, wearing. If it's a picture, for example, um, you can. Uh, you can look at lyrics. Everything is in one place. And I find that most people get frustrated having to switch between platforms. So I find that anything new that's integrating platforms into one where it's a one-stop shop tends to make life so much easier. And those seem, for me, the trend seems to be the ones that are doing that well are going to be the ones that, that are going to be the next sort of, you, you know, <coughs> platforms that people use on a regular basis. Stipple. They're downstairs. Check them out. Very cool. Paid for by Stipple. Paid for by <laughs> Stipple. <laughs> Compliments of Stipple. I find um, personalized messages from Google are really helpful. Like Google Plus is, is I, I don't think people figured out how to use it yet completely, but I think it's really powerful because if you're someone's friend, you get a personalized, well, it looks personalized, and I think that's been quite helpful. But, you know, Instagram is my new best friend. I just think it's it's so powerful, and you're just able to connect with people, and it's just visual, visual, visual. You don't have to think too much. Again, people, I don't believe people read that much, and so I believe that visual is the way to go. And, and I love the, all of the new sort of things that are coming out of Instagram like Vine and all of these other sort of platforms <laughs> that kind of have the same sort of it's like uh, Instagram for video is it did I yeah that's pretty much what it is Sure, exactly. Right. It's like six seconds right. six is it six six or ten seconds something like that I think, I think it's six, six second six second limit yeah that's looped oh so it's not cool anymore now that we've talked about it on the panel <laughs> anything I don't worry nobody listens cool. to me anyway <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the the communication major in me just cried a little bit when you said that uh, that that no one reads early. But but I, I I do believe in the power of the visual image more so than ever. And to that point, yeah, I mean, like, look, I agree that I mean things like Vine. I think Vine's cool. It's fun. It's easy, right? Like, 
and there's a nice little fire hose attached to it called Twitter, and you can get these things out. I think in general, to be honest with you, what I like to try and do is, um, I mean, there's always, there's like a, a million companies. There's a million companies out there that are really good at bringing all the experiences together as one. What I like to focus on as a digital marketing guy is really kind of back to what you were saying was the images at, at, this, at this point. I mean, like, it's really funny, actually. I may be going off slightly tangent here, but um, when it comes to, like, marketing videos, this is kind of a, a big thing for me, is people will make, like, traditional music videos, and they're not necessarily thinking in terms of, like, what, it, what the real experience is on YouTube for a digital marketer and for a fan. So they'll, like, have this natural story arc that attaches to it, which is great. I mean, it can be the most amazing. It can be fucking thriller all over again, except for the fact that the first five seconds or ten seconds or whatever, you kind of have to ease your way into it. That's great, except for the fact that, obviously, if you're just kind of flipping through with an ADD world on YouTube or whatever it is that's coming at you, you got to grab them immediately. And that's the kind of power of image that I'm talking about, right? Or whatever it is that that kind of grab can really get at you. Yeah. So when you're building uh, an artist web presence, uh, an important part of it is the content strategy. So uh, how does developing the artist's content strategy work with marketing efforts and your marketing strategies? Who wants to take that on? I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to take? A, I'll take this. Take yeah, sure. Um, I'm a huge proponent of this. This is like my. This is one of my major fortes, or what I'd like to think was my forte at least. Is um, the the whole thing about marketing for me for digital marketing is really kind of the art of the tease a little bit, right? And for me, the art of the tease is just as important as the actual strip show itself when you have the record, and. To that point, building up a lot of content, not necessarily just before the record comes out, because obviously you're going to want to extend the entire life of the album, but to get out of this mindset of, well, we're going to do a video for a song, and then we're going to do a video for another song. Do I think that there should be behind-the-scenes footage of me brushing my teeth? The narcissist in me says yes, but of course not, right? So I think that, like, there's, here's an example. We did something with Tegan and Sarah recently, just from their last record, came out a couple of weeks ago, and it was fantastic launch for us because there was a ton of content. Now, Tegan and Sarah, I don't know if you guys are familiar with them as people, but they're fucking hilarious. They're absolutely hilarious. They're really engaging, and they got on the bus. They really, really were excited, and there was a ton of content. We did something with, uh, with Andy Samberg. We did, the girls themselves are really funny. To create that kind of content, not necessarily, again, like, here's a song, here's a music video, whatever it looks like. To be able to kind of get into their world really, really helped drive the entire project so far and will continue to do so. So yeah. when you're talking about that kind of digital strategy, the content is so, so, so key for any kind of band that you have. They don't have to be as funny and awesome as Deegan and Sarah. They can, they can use whatever sort of artistic vision that they want to project. But I really do believe that that kind of content is completely key. It's kind of going back to the whole personalized artist content. We did um, a, an event with Common for the Grammys and you know we got a lot of video hits of him just performing and doing his thing but when he spoke about it and just was like yo I'm going to be at this event da 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 we got way more hits and it's just dude talking telling people to go do an event for 30 seconds and it got more hits than him actually performing and we realized it's because people think it's special and it's personalized and it's just so I think more and more artists need to do that because there's not much us marketing 
marketers can do to make it feel special because everyone knows all we're trying to do is market and sell to you. What about working with brands? How, how do you guys work with brands on digital marketing initiatives? I mean, the one thing I would, I would say about that and then probably pass it over to you guys is that the relationship with brands has truly evolved, you know, over the last, you know, five to 10 years in a dramatic way. You know, I think for a long time, the music industry looked at, at brands as a way to finance tours. Um, and, and to, you know, and, and then you'd have these hodgepodge relationships where, you know, you have, you know, I, I mean, it's not as bad as this, but you know, you would have like rock bands, you know, doing deals with tampon companies. I mean, it was like horrible. I mean, these horrible money only relationships. And I think, you know, people grew very, very tired of these and consumers grew very, very tired of these. So the relationships now have been so much more meaningful. The brands have gotten a lot smarter. And I also think the bands have gotten a lot smarter. And a lot of that I think goes to a lot of the people at the record companies, instead of taking the dollars, have, have been very smart about finding good relationships uh, in the digital space for, for the artists. And I think managers have gotten a lot better at this. Instead of figuring out how they're getting their 15% of whatever deal from Playtex, maybe Playtex isn't the best company to do a deal with anymore. You know, So I think that in general, everybody in that space has gotten a lot smarter, has been a lot wiser, and I think that when, when there's a natural, a natural, meaningful marriage between two, it really, really works. Also, people aren't cutting checks like they used to, as we all know. So ever since about, like, you know, 08, I mean, brands have really cut down. Marketing is one of the first things to go, just like in any job. Um, so you really have to have an integrated plan, and it has to be from A to Z. It can't just be, uh, you know, here we'll put a logo on the flyer and a banner behind the artist. When, no, we want a commercial. We want a tweet. We want branded this. We want the artist to be, you know, wearing the clothes outside of the event. There's a lot of people want more, and they're going to give you a lot less for it these days, unfortunately. But there are still brands with a lot of money, but you either have to be super famous in order to get it or you have to just have a really amazing strategic marketing plan. Otherwise, no one's going to pay attention to you because no one cares about a logo on a fucking flyer. And even even in those big, big money deals, a lot of them still don't necessarily make sense. Like, you know, the latest one to me made no sense, you know, the Jay-Z Budweiser deal. I, You know, I, I don't believe, I just don't believe he drinks Budweiser. <laughs> I agree. Maybe if it was like and by platinum. The way, he doesn't. What about he, if it was like a platinum premium well, that, well, and, beer? But now, but now Justin Timberlake's doing that deal, and it also doesn't feel right. How are you going to show up in a tux, you know, carrying like a you know a, a, a platinum tall boy? You know, it just <laughs> I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. You've you've got to find a meaningful relationship. And speaking of beverages, Red Bull. No one's done it better than Red Bull. Period. Yeah, they went out and found people who love their drink and who use their drink in that you know zany space of you know crazy new sports you know <laughs> and they've nailed it they nailed it as and, they're, and they're really smart through red bull music academy because for more of the aficionados and the snobs like myself you know they're like okay well for you we have rbma and it's a different brand it's still red bull but you wouldn't even really know because you think of it as rbma you don't even think of it as you know the red bull music academy it kind of takes away from the brand but yet it's still red bull that's i think they they are absolutely genius with that on various levels from sports marketing all the way to you know more of the underground music and, and helping up and coming artists. Red Bull's probably done a really good job out of and, everybody. And if I if I may have one more thing on the on the other end of the spectrum, forget the Jay Z Budweiser, but like you know, it's it, it, the Red Bull model works on a local level. Like if you know if you're a band that and this may sound stupid, but bands have done this. You know, if you're a band that eats at the same sub shop every day and you know these people, 
do a deal with them. You know, if you're playing in 10 clubs around San Francisco, you're in the Bay and you're eating at Jimmy Subs every day and they love you and you love them, there's a relationship that can be had there and bands have done it. So it doesn't have to be, you know, but it doesn't have to be a Fortune 500 company. There are other companies other than Coke, Pepsi, and Bud Platinum to do deals with. And I, and I highly encourage you to follow your interests. You know, as an artist, what do you use every day? Which toothpaste do you use? Which water do you drink? Which, where do you buy your gasoline? Whatever it and is. And then do your research on what agency is representing the brand. Because I have a lot of people going, yo, I'm going to call my boy at Adidas. That's not going to happen. You're going to deal with an agency that has the media buy that's going to be able to then say, okay, we're going to give Snoop Lion, um, don't make fun of that, <laughs> you know, we're going to give him a certain amount of, of money, but we also want him to wear our clothes. He's going to be wearing our clothes in the movie. He's going to integrate Adidas everywhere. So it's, it's much more, they expect more, but you really have to go after the agency that deals with these kind of brands than as opposed to just thinking you're going to go after the agency directly because that's almost never going to happen these days. Unless you're super famous. You know, also, too, one thing that um, I, I, I love to do, and something we've been doing kind of more and more with um, our brand sponsorship team over, too, as well, is bolting on our digital campaigns to another brand. For example, we did something with Green Day for the launch of their very first record uh, for Uno with Nokia. And Nokia sponsored a live stream show that they had. Nokia sponsored the uh, the first listen of the record that we had. That experience, the listening party, you know, everyone does listening parties, cool, whatever. But that was a great way for us to monetize it for them. to mon And honestly, also, too, for they were able to expand our reach, right? So they threw in marketing for it. It was, it was a fantastic partnership. We've also done things recently, just actually in the Super Bowl with, um, uh, with the Flaming Lips and Hyundai. A giant ad on Super Bowl with the Flaming Lips, which is a weird band to be bolting on with Hyundai, but it worked, in my opinion. And they were giving weird away car, weird band. It <laughs> works. <laughs> That's a good slogan. I like that. Right. Um, but those types of experiences, I think. I mean, th there's so much I think that is untapped. And, and and you're right. I think obviously you have to find the right partner with the right band. I mean, you can't necessarily just bolt on some some crazy brand X with a band that's not going to work uh, for that. But I think that's actually a really, really important uh, future if the band's comfortable with it. And again, like you were saying, like 10 years ago, this was verboten. This would never have happened. And um, I think it not only speaks to uh, some of the marketing efforts that, that, that have to be put in to kind of get over the hump of a lot of the static noise, but also, too, just the willingness of a lot of these brands to kind of get into this thing now. I mean, there's people that are working on brand sponsorships that actually like music and will go, oh, the Flaming Lips, let's go use them, or some crazy band. I mean, I just heard Queens of the Stone Age actually being used on, um, uh, what was it, a Verizon ad. I was like, oh, shit, interesting. I have a follow-up question to that, and then uh, uh, I think we only have a few minutes. Go ahead, Jeff. No, I was just going to say one, one, one quick addition is that you know, doesn't matter. Everyone talks about the music industry isn't doing well and the sales are down and we're year nine of a 10-year storm. Brands love music. Mm -hmm. It's an instant way for them to say, here is what our audience is about sonically. So brands love bands and are spending hundreds of millions of dollars to get in bed with bands that sound like their food taste, their, their, their soda taste, all of that is very, very important, and they are all over musical acts, all over them. Okay, so I, I wanna ask a follow-up question, then uh, I think we'll go to questions from the audience uh, so we have enough time for that. But one of the things that I deal with uh, 
is we get um, endorsement offers from all these companies for our clients, and there are there are all these social media obligations that come along with it, like you were talking about. So there, but you're there famous, be- rich, and successful, so that's what happens. You know, you have to. <laughs> So, so I, w- I want somebody to speak to that. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that was client, a delayed client, laugh. <laughs> I mean, I'm, gi- I'm giving you guys my A stuff here. Okay, come on. My clients He's are. I'm not. My right, clients right, are. Right, I'm right, not. Right. So, but but you know you know I, I remember going through a number of uh, proposed deals for one of our clients, and it, you know it's from a number of different companies. And had the artist done all of the deals that uh, were proposed, you know she would have had to do like. 120 tweets a month just to promote these you know these various brands it was so it was way over the top so how do you find the right balance of uh, of working with a brand and giving them what they want in that space but at the same time uh you know being good to your fans and giving them you know valuable content i I would love to jump in here This this is great so a lot of times this is this is what i love so much about working sometimes in um in my space versus the brand space sometimes is the brands are going to ask for anything, right? They're going to ask for some crazy ass shit. And I've had some crazy ass shit requests before where I know full well that band X ain't going to be doing this. It is not going to happen. And then sometimes they're like, well, why can't this person record a specific song for our specific brand? God, I wish I can get into details, but I can't. But I was like, cause it just, it ain't going to happen. It literally will not happen. And what they generally do is, they, they're kind of like, oh, okay. Like I've, I found them like, you know, they're just going to ask for everything. Fine. That's, I do the same thing. It's my job to go ask for everything. Um, but then again, they'll do the same thing, right? They're like, I need, you know, like this hasn't happened, but this is a good example of like, I'll need Neil Young to go tweet this particular link out for this particular thing. And I'm like, it ain't it is not going to happen. Right. Guarantee you that it's not going to happen. <laughs> Let alone 120. Let alone 120. <laughs> so I am... So they're just going to ask for that kind of stuff. And, you know, like, I'll, I'll just go through line by line and be like, no, yeah, probably, okay, sure, let's see what happens. But you're right. There is a preponderance of, of, um, of, of presence that they're going to want to have in that kind of space. And the, the other thing is it's, you know, also the job of the manager. There are a lot of managers in here. You have to explain to the brands because the brands are coming to you because they want what you have. They want your aesthetic. They want your fan base. They want your audience. They want everything that you're associated with. So you, it's, it's your job to explain to them how you communicate, your artist communicates with their fans and how to effectively use what they're bringing to the table in order to get your message across. And brands also have gotten a lot smarter about that over the last few years. They, they used to really ask for everything and couldn't understand why you know Neil wouldn't turn you know Cinnamon Girl into like Cinnamon Bun or whatever you know <laughs> like why can't he do a Cinnabon so you know they used to ask for this crazy stuff and now they they're they're learning yeah. but managers really need to do that you need to you have to really explain yeah like for instance if, um someone came at us they wanted to do a buyout on our site they wanted us uh, to wallpaper our entire site for this one event in LA. And I kind of just had to maneuver and say, well, look, you know, we're national, we're not just in LA. How about we do this, this, and that? And he agreed to it. So I think it's the art of negotiation. And I also think that maybe you offer them things that they didn't think of so that you can say, well, we can't do this for you, but we can do that. How about that? And it's all about being, you know, a good salesperson and knowing how to pitch. So I think there's the art of negotiation, no matter if it's 20 years ago or now, is, is pretty much the same. Cool. All right. So it's time to go to the audience. All right here was the first one. 
So I can't remember the report uh, came out a little while ago that said the average smartphone user looks at their phone about 500 times a day. Compared to television and radio and sort of traditional media, it seems like there's sort of a sensory overload going on. How do you get above that? I don't think you really can. I think you just have to have really good content. I don't know if you can. I think people are just, they're, con they're consumed by so many things and are being thrown at them and social media and like you said, the phone and now you have the iPads and you have, you're just consistently connected. I think it's just having really good content and be able to be above the clouds with that. I don't know if there's any other way. I mean, not to sound, you know, elementary about it, but I, I, I think, you know, there's two things that I think are, are universal. And the first is, Quality cream rises to the top always. If your message is great, people will hear about it. It's sort of like, it's, it reminds me of like going back to like an old A&R thing where people would say, yeah, you know, there's, there's this great band in Ohio that nobody's discovered. And I would say, bullshit. If there's a great band, somebody would have discovered them. There's no great band out there that hasn't been discovered because people will flock. The other thing is, is that there's nothing better in, I don't care, digital media, traditional marketing, there's nothing better than word of mouth, you know? And if you've got the quality, people will talk about it, and that's how clutter, that's how you get through the clutter. I mean, it's, yeah. you've just gotta be better than everybody else. And if you're not better than everybody else, then you're not gonna make it, and you don't deserve to make it. And keep your messaging clear and short and succinct, you know? Again, like a subject titles with, you know, these, no one's gonna read. You just short, you know what I mean? New record by Belial. Done. Click here. Done. It's just, it's got to be simple. And also, it's, uh, a lot of people don't realize you can actually not embed videos into newsletters, but you can create a simple screenshot with a little play button and people will click on it and go to YouTube or Vimeo. And a lot of people don't do that. And they'll just have a link that says, click to see the video. Guaranteed, you will have way more people right. clicking on it if you have a screenshot of it. And even though they're doing the same exact thing. Right. And I, and I would just add to that, just as long as you just make great, when you make great content, make it very easy for people to share and talk about. Yes. Simple. Next, right here. This is a two-part question. There's a uh, you guys brought up the idea of using you know social networks, and what about using something like sound tracking to promote? I don't know if you're familiar with that app, but yeah. uh, an app like sound tracking to promote music because it has embedded. You're actually sharing music through yeah, your social. Yeah, it's great. And then the other is actually more of a question. What do you think of using brands as like marketing networks? Uh, brands like Red Bull that you mentioned that actually go out there and support artists through, uh, what is it, their soundstage program or things like that, or brands like Scion versus brands like a one-off Skype that'll give you a, a band of shitload of money but will not back you up on anything else. Well, you else name two that. brands that are incredible in my eyes because you, when you think of Red Bull, you think of Scion, you kind of think of a specific music genre, you kind of think of a scene. And I think if you can get with a brand that understands you, kind of like you know Kia does with basketball and Blake Griffin like I've met those guys and they really like basketball and Blake Griffin it helps so I think absolutely um, using using brands that that you know that can help so it's really powerful if you're able to get to some of these conferences um, maybe not so much in San Francisco but maybe so much in LA and New York to be honest that you can get with these brands directly and be in in their faces with the marketing representatives I take the long tail versus the quick check Especially if you're trying to break an act. If you're Beyonce, take the check. You know, who cares? <laughs> but there's only one Beyonce. You know what I mean? Hi. You said that Facebook marketing was really effective, that it's super targeted, so you can spend 50 bucks and you see great success. How do you define that and what metrics do you think these marketers should be looking to? Because iTunes makes it really difficult to track sales. So, what are you using to define success? And, Good yeah. question. 
Yeah. Well, obviously the Google Analytics and Facebook Analytics, and there's a lot of other, you know, internal analytics programs that you can use. But I think Facebook, I mean, they just have such a good pro. It shows you exactly what someone clicked on, where they're at, really detailed information, basically everything but their name. And so it's great because you could see like when they clicked on it, how long they took to be on your page. I, I think analytics are great. And people diss Google Analytics because it's a little whatever. It's free and it works and people trust it. So I think it's one of the better ones. Well, and also too, we have affiliate links with everything that we do, right? So just get a tracking link on it, yeah. do affiliate links. We can see where it goes. I mean, I like Facebook. I like Twitter ads. I like all kinds of stuff, you know? And it's, it's like, that's the key, right? Like, again, back in my day, we weren't really doing any kind of goddamn tracking, right? It was like, we got a website up. Fuck yeah, we're done. Drop the mic. <laughs> like, seriously, that was a marketing campaign, right? Like, GeoCities. <laughs> right. Done. Geo-C- and now, now <laughs> it's... You are old. <laughs> I, I said, I'm 11 I'm This is like Jeez. Hobbit age. The nerd, Jeez. thank you. So... You know, it's, so anyways, back to your question. It's, it's really the affiliate tracking at this point, right? So we can go back to, go say like, oh, okay, X amount went to iTunes. We get, you know, enough to buy us a refrigerator in our office and everyone's happy. <laughs> the end. The end. All right. Awesome. Right here. Okay, we got two minutes left. What, what kind of scale does a new service have to achieve before you're interested or would run a test on it? That's what kind of question. service? What do you mean by service? Well, like you buy a $50 Facebook ad campaign, but I imagine you buy a lot of those or something to that effect. But would you test a service that only costs 50 bucks one time to see how it works? Yeah, I would. I mean, yeah. would Warner Brothers test a, yeah. a service yeah. for 50 bucks? Yeah. Kay. 25. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm Jewish, 10. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. I mean, look, if I can experiment as much as possible, please, yes. All right, one more question right here, right behind you. I mean, very effective. How effective is the free download? I, mean, I think it's great. I, Again, it's a business card. You get the music, you like the music, then you go on the site, you like the site, you buy the ticket, buy the t-shirt, boom. It's effective right. if you can also make the trail between the download, the sale, wh- whatever it is you're trying to promote, right? Like, I don't want to give something away in the ether and be like, see ya, you know? Yeah. Like, and you burned it, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, Make you, people you, you really sign up as well uh, in an email list. You know, try to make it, you know, hey, this is free, but please give us your email address. And then it's great because anytime, um, you know, something else comes up, you don't have to even reach out to them directly. You already have an email program that does that efficiently. So FanBridge is really good. That's something we didn't really talk about. But there's a lot of Fanbridge good sites. Really good. FanBridge is really, really good. And then there's a lot of, um, like, Ezine Director, E-Z-I-N Director is a really easy and inexpensive alternative to some of the other mass mailer systems it's you have to know html you have to be a little you know more you know proactive with the coding but if you know it or you get a template it's so much cheaper and easier than a lot of these other mailing systems cool. okay we got one more question over here on that side with the really plaid shirt hi so just a quick question i think like everybody wants to know um you know in terms of reaching a lot of these brands or marketing people what is the best way to get your guys attention because obviously your email boxes are flooded all of the time so what is a good effective way that you know could maybe make an email stand out a little bit are you offering me money (laughs) it'll get me a job (laughs) i love linkedin I, i live on linkedin i think it's great for business a lot of people really love linkedin a lot, a lot of people I, talk about, yeah. well, I mean, I use it, but, you know, not for that, you know. But The old guys don't like a it. Lot of pe- <laughs> a lot of people really do like LinkedIn. It's very tough to get the attention of the brands. It really is. You either have to, 
you know, you have to have a relationship. You have to have a relationship with someone who has a relationship. It's it, it's tough. I mean, there's it no easy you know. there's no easy answer to that. Mm-hmm. There isn't an easy answer to that. Yeah. Shake hands and kiss babies. Really. That's exactly. It. Pretty no, much. Honestly, that, that's really it. And don't be annoying. Like it's it's okay to follow up, but we hey just check it in. But if you check in with me like just two days later, and I'm traveling, I might not pay attention to you just because you were like you, I didn't get a response from you or whatnot. And and try not to call people. I don't know anyone that takes unsolicited calls ever. The other thing which is helpful, which can be helpful, is you know all these brands have some of them have an agency of record, but many of them use a number of different things for different different. Uh, different target audience for example converse for example converse uses a company called cornerstone cornerstone marketing in new york you guys made a cornerstone they do fader magazine they're like a cool manageable size company very easy to meet people at cornerstone it could end up being a good fit you end up getting studio time rubber tracks then you break into converse there are ways in you know there's a guy from cashmere agency that was on another panel if he's still here but he's that's another manageable smaller company that you know deals with exclusive brands and not too many um companies so i think it's best in some of these larger agencies out there that have like you know that won't pay attention to you so all right cool i think we're out of time join thank me you in guys thanking our Thanks, panel Brian. thank you thank you brian thank you brian Woo-hoo!